Travis was 19, and he was a he was a student at North Dakota State University, and he had just kind of started attending worship services at the little church I served up in North Dakota. And I'm not going to lie, he he was a little bit awkward back there. He might be a little awkward yet today, but you know that's that's Travis. That's who he is. Who he is. On one Sunday at the end of worship, he was coming out and he and he caught me at the end of the service. And he asked me if we could get together because he had this big question he wanted to ask me. And so, and I think it was the same day, we scheduled to meet for coffee later in the day. And he was clearly nervous. We sat down, he was kind of, you know, shifting with his hands a little bit, and he, and he just blurted out, would you be my mentor? It was so direct, awkward, but it was really direct. And I've had these great mentors over the course of my life. I mentioned Anita Hoffermel, uh, Bill Schwab, my, my, my seminary mentor, and he's still one of the wisest pastors I've ever known. Peter Lucky, who served out in Lawrence, has been a mentor to me these, this last decade or so. But it had never occurred to me to ask someone to be my mentor. Those relationships just kind of happened over time. Now, most people know that Moses was a great leader of the Hebrew people, the, probably the greatest leader of the Hebrew people, who led the people out of slavery in Egypt through years of surviving in the wilderness from battles and starvation. But did you know that Moses had a mentor? It was his father-in-law, Jethro. While Moses was trying to convince Pharaoh to release the Hebrew people from slavery, Moses sent his wife, Zipporah, and their kids. He sent them all to live with her father, Jethro, so that the Pharaoh couldn't use them as leverage against Moses. So he sent them to safety with him. And then after they had escaped from Pharaoh and from Egypt, slavery in Egypt, Jethro brought Zipporah and the kids, and they met up with Moses in the wilderness. Moses went out to meet his father-in-law, and he bowed down and kissed him. They asked each other how they were doing, and then they went into the tent. Moses then told his father-in-law everything that the Lord had done to Pharaoh and to the Egyptians on Israel's behalf, all the difficulty they had on their journey and how the Lord had rescued them. Jethro was glad about all the good things that the Lord had done for Israel in saving them from the Egyptians' power. Jethro said, Bless the Lord who rescued you from the Egyptians' power and from Pharaoh's power, who rescued the people from Egypt's oppressive power. Now I know that the Lord is greater than all the gods because of what happened when the Egyptians plotted against them. Then Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, brought an entirely burned offering and sacrifices to God. Aaron came with all of Israel's elders to eat a meal with Moses' father-in-law in God's presence. A few things about Jethro. Jethro wasn't a competitor to Moses. He, he wasn't looking to take Moses' job or to show him up, show him that, you know, you think you got it all, I, I, you know, look at me. As a mentor, Jethro's sole job was to help, help Moses, to support him, to share his wisdom, help him out, share his experience. 
There, I've never seen a relationship work between a mentor and a mentee where the mentor did not have the mentee's best interest at heart. That saw it as a comp competition or, or saw it that, that had, had something to prove in that relationship. Now Jethro was also older than Moses, but only by a generation or so. One thing about a human journey is that it's really hard to understand people because sometimes our differences, we, the generational differences get too much where you start not being able to understand what somebody else is going through because the context is just so different. I, I was thinking about this, I was thinking about my parents' mentors over time. And I was thinking in particular about my father's mentor, Reverend Hossauer. And Reverend Hossauer, his early ministry was done on horseback. And I, I loved Reverend Hossauer. He was like a, a grandfather to me. But he was very wise, but there was a point in his life where despite his best wishes and all of his skills, he could no longer function effectively as a mentor because the gulf had become too, de too deep between the generations. Now when Travis came to me asking me to mentor him, I was, I was kind of taken aback. You know, it was direct, um, and I was a fairly new pastor back in those days, and I didn't feel like an expert in anything. Like why would somebody want to, for me to ask me questions about anything having to do with life? And this earnest young man had asked me to mentor him. Yet I was in this kind of this sweet spot, though, that I had enough experience. I was, you know, I was a fairly young parent with a couple of little kids at home, and I wasn't completely disconnected from Travis's world, and I certainly wanted the best for Travis. I wanted to see him grow. The next day, Moses sat as a judge for the people, while the people stood around Moses from morning until evening. When Moses' father-in-law saw that all he was doing for the people, he said, what's this that you are doing for the people? Why do you sit alone while all the people are standing around you from morning until evening? Moses said to his father-in-law, because the people come to me to inquire of God. When a conflict arises between them, they come to me and I judge between the two of them. I also teach them God's regulations and instructions. Moses' father-in-law said to him, what you are doing isn't good. You will end up totally wearing yourself out, both you and these people who are with you. The work is too difficult for you. You can't do it alone. Moses, I am guessing that Moses was probably really gifted at helping people out, helping them sort out their conflicts. I think he was really, he was just naturally gifted at this. He was a leader. But people, because he was gifted, they just kept coming. It's a mentor's role to help you see your blind spots, to see the things that are going on in your life that maybe you don't see. It, is, it isn't, the truth was that if Moses got burned out because he was trying to adjudicate the problems of the entire Hebrew community, he wasn't going to be used to anyone. He's just going to be burned out. And Moses Moses, he wasn't doing anything wrong. He was doing his best. The thing was, he just couldn't see the bigger picture of where this was headed. 
Jethro could. And he, Jethro, said this. Now listen to me and let me give you some advice. And may God be with you. Your role should be to represent the people before God. You should bring them their disputes before God yourself. Explain the regulations and instructions to them. Let them know the way they are supposed to go and the things they are supposed to do. But you should also look among all the people for capable persons who respect God. They should be trustworthy and not corrupt. Set these persons over the people as officers of groups of thousands, hundreds, fifties, and tens. Let them sit as judges for the people at all times. They should bring you every major dispute, but they should decide all of the minor cases themselves. This will be much easier for you, and they will share your load. If you do this and God directs you, then you will be able to endure, and all these people will be able to go back to their homes much happier. Moses listened to his father-in-law's suggestion and did everything that he had said. This is probably one of the greatest management lessons of all time. It's, this is, it's ancient whiz, wisdom. It's, you may have even heard, you may have, business schools will actually talk about it. It's called the Jethro Principle. It's to delegate to people whom you trust. It's one of the hardest things a lot of times for people to do is to learn to delegate. For everyone ever, if you've been in leadership or you've been in management, this principle has held true. But it isn't really just the individual lesson, the Jethro principle, that really matters today. It's the whole concept of mentorship. The biblical record is full of stories of mentorship, from the stories of kings who are being, being mentored, and then sometimes when they reject their mentors and really bad stuff happens, to the stories of Jesus mentoring his followers. Mentorship it's a powerful form of friendship. But it's also an act of humility. It's accepting that there are people, there are people who have stuff to teach you, who are more experienced. For the mentor, it is always, always having the best interest of your mentee in mind, never making it about yourself, your ego. I used to do something. I used to, for a while, I would, for our confirmation classes, I would pick mentors. And it really wasn't mentorship. I was trying to pair people up and I would really think about it, but I can only count on my hand how many times that was really successful. It didn't usually work. Because there is a spirituality to the relationship between a mentor and a mentee. Those things have to develop. And I used to think that they had to happen organically, and then I met this young man who just blurted it out, and like, I realized that it can happen in a lot of different ways. And sometimes it just happens because you ask somebody, would you be my mentor? I see something in you that I need. Or you see something, an offer to help somebody that you know could use some wisdom and guidance at a point in life. It has been nearly 17 years since that day that Travis blurted that out on a Sunday morning. Travis and his spouse, Casey, are children's ministry leaders in their church community up in Wisconsin today. They became parents 
after a really long and difficult road to becoming parents. They just became parents this last year. And it has been an honor to be a mentor to Travis. The day that Zane was born, he texted me and he said, okay, I think I may need to call on you for a little bit of that mentorship with this parent stuff. And I was like, oh yeah, me too. We all need that. We all need mentors in that area. Here's the thing. You need a mentor. And when the time comes, you need to mentor somebody else. And I, I know if I could wave a magic wand over this church community, over everybody here, I would love to see a whole lot of us connected in relationships like that. I was watching this with some of our older youth even. You know, I can see them in a place how much the little ones this week look up to those, those older kids. They can be some of the most effective mentors to the little ones. And how many of our young people here need somebody, a young adult or somebody like that who's just a little footstep or a little bit down, further down the path to help guide them with some of the questions in the life that they're coming into. I see that wisdom in a lot of our high schoolers that they could share with younger ones now too. That's how it works. That's how church works. A few years back, Marty Candle, I don't know if you remember Marty Candle, they were here for three years. Her husband, Chris, he was, he was in medical school and she had been a lawyer and so they had really little kids at that point. And so she came to Colonial and she met me for coffee and she said, okay, I'm going to be taking a few years off to look at the kids, you know, while Chris is in medical school. And so she asked me if I could introduce her to some of the women in the church who might mentor her. And it was, I liked it because it she, she just wanted a list of people. And so I came up with a list and I, I shared it with her. Now, of course, I don't know all the details of what happened after that. But here's what I know. It was beautiful. Those relationships, which a lot of them were just monthly lunches, helped Marty at a time in her life where she was discerning some big questions. And when, when Marty and Chris moved a few years ago, I remember her saying that one of the big gifts that she received from being in this church community was those relationships. And I want that for you. I want you to have mentors. I want you to be willing to have mentees, to have that special kind of sacred friendship that offers the chance to grow, not just your skills, but those second half of life questions of meaning and purpose, because we all need that. We pray with me. Lord, you are our guide and our guardian. Please put mentors into our lives who offer us greater perspective, who give us insight into the meaning and purpose that you have for us. Put mentees in our lives who make our experience richer and loving. And grant us the special ingredient of humility to allow ourselves to be part of this ancient and powerful form of friendship. Amen.